You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered Podcast. And we are in season nine, the most impactful guest season. And I have Charmaine Fuller here. And listen, let me tell you, like, there's some, there's one of her quotes that she said that I continuously use throughout my life. Um, And it's save room for Jesus. I... I, I say it to so many people and I keep that in my mind. There's so many techniques that um, I learned just from connecting with her and sharing time and space with her. And we've continued to keep in contact over um, the years since we've gotten to know each other. So I'm just so happy to bring her back. And I'm so happy if you have not met her before that you have the opportunity to meet and connect with her now. So thank you again for being here today. What's up? So I was for those that are church kids um, and that dated while they were in the church, you know, that's where the leave room for Jesus comes from is that you'd be sitting next to a boy and they'd be like, y'all need to leave some room for Jesus, like move over a little bit. (laughs) So that's where I get that from is and that part there is a practice like you're not always going to leave space. You know, life gets so full sometimes that we forget to breathe. Um, we forget to pause, breathe, savor the moment and come back. Like that's a, that's a practice I'm still learning. Like it's not a perfection thing. Ain't none of us, Jesus, we ain't got it perfect. You just keep trying each day as you go on. How, um, how would you say, cause I, I think we're both in, in chapters of transition in our lives. How would you say that you are finding some type of balance on a daily basis when you're taking things, when you're in transition, I I feel like you take things more day by day. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm not overwhelmed. Like I, before we we got on this, I was talking about all the stuff I'm doing, but I'm like, I'm not overwhelmed. Like I'm just taking it day by day. So yeah. How do you really, what are some of your tips on really just getting out of the idea that it's going to be all together and breaking it down? So one of the things I got this from Bishop Jakes, you know, and even in other things, being prepared for what you prayed for. I knew this was coming. The transition I'm in, I knew it was coming. So I made preparations. I had conversations with my husband. I had conversations with my family. And that although this is challenging because it's different, like nobody is freaking out. Right. So being prepared for what you prayed for isn't about you like having it all together and it runs smoothly and everything is perfect. It's just about you've built a foundation even before you get into a thing. You know, most of the times we know most of our transitions, we do know that are going to happen. New babies, changing jobs, moving, um, things like that. We really have a we kind of know what's going to starting school again. Like if you're going to start going back to school, you go, oh, I need a sitter. Oh, maybe I need to do some crock pot meals. Oh, maybe I need to get together with my spouse or partner to talk about different days to pick up the kids on the days I have class. But that's not what we do most of the time. Most of the time, the change happens and we go, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, I wasn't. 
And then we try to act like we didn't know what was going on, that it's the change's fault. And then we end up in this space of overwhelm. I have been there many times. For some reason, as humans, we enjoy pain. For, for some, we're pushed by pain versus by, you know, actually making a smooth. I got sick of being pushed by pain. So I'm like, okay, well, what can I do to make this easier? Because I've had the same transition before, but I wouldn't have the communication. And so then I would get into the transition and it would just be a shit show. And my husband would come in and go, you're drowning. And I would go, I know I'm like, I know I'm drowning. Like, why are you drowning? It's like, oh yeah. But had I asked him like three weeks before, hey, I'm going to need help with X, Y, and Z, I wouldn't be drowning. So for me, it's about when you know certain things are coming, make the necessary preparations so that it's not so tough. It's, you still might have challenges. And for things that you can't prepare for, because there are things in life, you know, death, things of that nature that you cannot necessarily prepare for, always have a baseline of kind of what to expect. You know, what do you want? Always coming back to how do you want your day to feel? How do you want your life to feel? Um, How do you want things to, what are your goals? Because even in death, it's really easy to get caught up in, I guess, the sadness of the situation. But you have to remember, well, what is my goal, right? What, What did I say I wanted to do? Where did I say I wanted to go? Like, I can't just sit in sorrow. You know, I have to, can like, I have to move on and I'm speaking from a person. So just in case y'all like, well, well, she don't know. She ain't lost. Nobody lost my son. And people are like, oh, you're taking it so well. And I would, (laughs) I would go, well, he's dead. I'm still alive. Like, what do you expect me to act like? (laughs) But, you know, and not saying that I didn't grieve and that some days I still don't, it just doesn't consume my life because I have goals. I have some place that I'm going and I can't sit in that space. So yeah, those are the two ways I would do it. I um, I got some notes from that. You know, it's we're recording this and it's my father's, it would have been my father's 62nd birthday. He passed away when I was 20. I'm now 30. And um, I'm always big on just celebrating life, you yeah. know, just finding a way to celebrate life. And I mean, I've lost a lot of people. I've not lost a child and I'm praying that I never do, but I think I'm going to have a similar outlook to it the way that you do if I ever have to go through that. Right. Um, because, you know, <clears throat> yes, you you acknowledge your emotions, you let them go. Yeah. Um, you, you, you leave space for them. You yeah. have them when you have them. A lot of people try to suppress things. Yeah. Um, and you, you can't do that. You, I, I've learned you, you, that's not that's not the right way to do that. Um, it will come back. There's oh, no it way will to come back it. hard and painfully. Um, <laughs> learn to ask for help. And I've been continuously, like, this has been coming up so frequently for me. Um, just like in everyday conversations and stuff like that, it's just learning to ask for help. And I'm like, it's, it's something I'm like working on, but I'm like, I think I'm getting a lot better at it. But I'm also hearing when it's something that needs to be done. Um, and, you know, learning to put your pride aside. We've got this big problem with being like the strong woman or if you're black, the strong black woman or, you know, but in general, I, I see it across race lines, across yep. all different cultures, not just American culture um, of women, you know, taking on so much because they feel like they have to 
and they feel less than if they don't, you know, and we, we talked heavy on having help, you know, having someone to clean the house, having nannies, having tutors, having all of those things and normalizing it. Um, and I love, you know, the being prepared for what you prayed for. That's my favorite one. Yes. Like, and I, I mean, that's, that's a big one too. Like in a lot of these changes, you know, we can, you know, help prepare ourselves for these changes. Granted, we don't know what we don't know. We also like there's situations because I'm thinking about when I evacuated from a hurricane and I know a lot of people that have lost things in, in current natural disasters. Um, and that's that's really hard to like those those tragic changes. That's really hard. But I find that people tend to be, you know, war in Ukraine right now. People are still like with those changes, it's like there's still some baseline things that you can include in your life to keep yourself with a level steady head. Yeah. Um, it's, it might be a little more difficult. I, I, yeah, I get that. Okay. I get it. But I've also experienced it. So, you know, and in, and in that sense, it's, it's really important to like, know who you are, know what your base is. So what are some ways that you, um, you suggest people get to know themselves better throughout their transition or just, you know, as they evolve? So it depends on where they are. I wish I could give like a clear, like, oh my God, you start here, step one, then here, step two. Then like, I wish, but I would always say, just start with writing a list down of everything that you want, right? Let's start mm-hmm. there. And I'll, like I would tell my clients, well, I can't think, you know, with most, most moms go, well, I can't think of what I want because my life is so enmeshed with my families that it feels like, my wants are really their wants coming through me. So I go, we'll start off with what you don't want. So if you have a problem thinking about what it is you want, then start off with all the shit you sick of looking at. Mm-hmm. What is really pushing your buttons right now? Start there and then flip it. So like if you are sick of feeling exhausted at the end of the day, okay, so you really want more energy and you want to feel more vibrant. And then you just kind of, well, how do I do that? So it's, when you start asking yourself questions like that, well, how do I do that? Well, how can that happen? Then you'll start, like if you're in a really good space to journal, you'll start kind of intuitively getting these answers of ways that you can begin to create these spaces. What do you stand for? Values are everything. Everything. What do you stand for? What if all else fails, who are you and how do you want to show up? What is your intention for your life? And These might seem like some surface level questions, but they're really not. And one of the other things that I would recommend specifically for women, because I'm a girl, is Disease to Please, get that book, and the Disease to Please and Not Nice. Those are two books I would recommend. As women- Right now. As women, we are taught to be a good girl, be a nice girl, help. Like we're, we're kind of always taught those things where boys sometimes are taught to, well, go play. Well, it's great to be tough. It's great to stand up for yourself. It's great to do this. Where sometimes as women standing up for ourselves is not looked upon as favorably as us not being nice. It's us not wanting to play with the, the, you know, to keep everything flowing. And so that turns into a lot of the times 
for your entire life, you're playing this role of doing things that you think would make other people happy. And that, you know, that shows up a lot of, you know, you were saying before, you know, talking to women and it's like, you know, where everybody is kind of like, I feel like my stuff is everybody else's stuff. And I think that would help too, because sometimes the, the need to be, feel like you have some sort of approval, um, that someone sees what you're doing and they're always like giving you a high five or saying how well you're doing. Like those things play into what you choose and how you build your foundation. Are you building a foundation that is to make somebody else happy or is this what you actually want? And thinking about what you actually want isn't being selfish because if you're thinking about that from your highest space, if you're doing what brings you joy, then you pass that joy down through your tribe and then everybody else does what brings them joy, but in a way that supports the tribe. It's not saying that everybody else just does what they want and like F everybody else. It's not saying that, you know, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out, I'm going to Cancun for two days. I'm just going to just leave my husband with my kids and, you know, with the kids and I'm not going to call back because that's what I want to do. It's saying, hey, honey, I want to go to Cancun with my girls. Let's find some dates that work for the both of us. Let's make sure that this works with the kids' schedule. Like it's still being mindful, but you're still getting what you want. Does that make sense? Yes, it it does. So I think I kind of went off tangent a little bit, but knowing how you want to feel, knowing what your values are, knowing how you're showing up, right? Knowing those things creates a really good baseline because when life gets crazy, whether you've planned for it or not, you can still go in this moment. Am I showing up as joyful in this moment? Do I feel expansive or do I feel constricted? And if I feel constricted, is there something that I can do for myself to feel expansive? Because the situation itself may not be expansive. It could be a car accident. It could be, you know, the mortgage payment doubled. Okay, that doesn't make me feel expansive, but what can I do internally to help me to create that feeling? I always give the example of cleaning the bathroom. I don't like cleaning the bathroom, but I don't necessarily like seeing toothpaste on the sink and pee on the toilet like that, you know. So Mm -hmm. I go for the, the after effect feeling. Like sometimes you have to focus on after I do this thing, will it help me to get to my desired goal or not, right? Or my desired feeling. Um, so thinking about it from that space and having those things kind of in play is a practice. It's not like you come up with all this shit once and then it stays with you forever and you never have to think for it again. And then your life is therefore perfect and you don't have to keep working towards it. Some days you're going to connect to your feelings. Some days you're going to connect to those values. Other days, you're just going to be a shit show and that's just life. And you're going to forget about all that stuff. And, you know, but it's, it's the rhythm of it. You're not looking to be perfect. You're just looking to have an awareness. And I think that's what we forget a lot of the times is that this is about awareness and making tweaks, not perfection and trying to fix it all at once. And then being mad at ourselves and being hard on ourselves for making a normal life misstep, right? (laughs) There was a lot said there and like just the things that, for one, I love list. Like 
I wrote myself because I'm like in such this weird transitional life and I've been feeling it since like the end of July. And like, I'm like, I, I, I want to make a pivot. I want to make a change, but I'm like, I don't know what it is. I'm really letting God lead me through so many things. And I used to have a problem, like, you know, wanting all this control, but I knew that I like, I really only control how I react to things. So it's like, let me just hear his voice more clearly. And then directions that I'm taking, the steps that I'm taking, I don't knew, I don't need to know the final destination. I just need to know what like my next steps are and make sure that like it's in alignment with, them, with what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like that's just where I'm at right now. And it's just like, it's, it's weird when it like has to do with your like daily life, you know, and like the jobs you choose to take and stuff like that. It's really, it's really weird. Um, but and, and so I was, I, I was finding myself like, what do I want? Like, what do I want my, my, my like daily life to be? And I couldn't come up with a dream day because my days were so different. But what I could come up with was what I wanted to have in it, the pieces and attributes of things that I wanted to have in that time. And, and I, I found like, okay, yeah, I still really want to like be speaking speaking is just one of those things that I, I really just want. And no matter of whatever restriction I think there are, it's something that I still very much want. Um, and oh, what do you stand for? And what are your values? Guys, don't just like, if you do this exercise, do not just do this, like from the point of like, well, you know, my values should be and oh yeah, you know, this, that, where do you spend your money and where do you spend your time? That is what your values and all of that stuff are. If you're spending your time on social media, but you say, oh, I'm so family oriented, but you're literally spending so much time just like yelling at your kids or like not, not calling your family members on their birthdays or anything like that, or like not reaching out and all of these other things, then, then no, like, let's, let's not, let's not BS ourselves. You can BS the world. Don't BS yourself. Um, so yeah, where you spend your time, where you spend your money are really big. Um, Disease to Please yeah. was one of the books and Not Nice was the other book, correct? I'm a, oh. On the YouTube, I'll have um, pictures of the books posted. Oh. Um, and, you know, one of the things like, you didn't say this directly, but it was like communicate. Yeah. You know, be able, how the hell are you going to communicate if you don't know what the hell you want? This is why it's important to do that. I have a problem with, they go, nobody wants, and I'm speaking from experience. Nobody wants to help me. Nobody cares. That's because nobody knows what the fuck you want. Like, and when they ask you, you're like, well, I don't know, or leave me alone, or I got this. Like, you don't let anybody in. And it just perpetuates, like, that's part of that nice thing. That's why I say this book, that whole part of not, giving people the space to bless you, if, especially if it's your family and you've been blessing them with meals. And now you're cutting off what they can do for you if they're trying to help you because you feel like you should have it all together. And that if you don't have it all together, then you are broken and they won't love you anymore. You won't be a good mom. That's all part of that nice thing. I didn't even realize that. I'm like, oh my God, like for real, for real. So really begin to examine that. Like if you're not, especially if you have younger kids, I hear so many moms go, it would take me more time to teach my kids how to do their laundry and not mess it up than if I just did it myself. How else are they supposed to learn? They're supposed to mess up. Let them turn something pink. Let them figure it out. 
And it's, it's a part of that whole thing of, I want to keep everything close to me so I can still feel needed, which is why some moms have such a hard time when kids grow up and they leave is because their entire identity has been wrapped around this mom persona. Um, really begin to examine that. Like if that's something that you're struggling with, like partitioning off things to do, you know what you need your family to do. Start simple. What is a subtask? Like if you're washing dishes, so let's say you don't want to give over cleaning the kitchen yet to your family because for whatever reason, they can't do it like you and it won't look like you need it to look, which is another lie. It's clean, leave it alone. But anywho, let the kids clean the counters. Let them wipe down the refrigerator, like take a subtask. So if you, if you think about giving away the whole task, you're always going to say that somebody isn't ready or that somebody can help you. Right. But if it's a subtask, like I said, are taking the clothes out of the dryer, right? If you, if you don't trust them to wash them and you want to wash their clothes, then have them take their own clothes out of the dryer. If you don't like how they fold them, well, fine. You fold them and they put them away and let them put them away until you build up to letting them fold it themselves and put it away themselves. My son balls all his shit up and put it into a drawer. Do I care? Not really. It's not my shirt. You know, I, he's washed it. He's cleaned it. He's done what he's going to do. Even if I go in his room and help him to fold it, this brother is still going to ball it up and put it in his drawer. So (laughs) So giving away subtasks, it will start giving like that song, give it away, give it away, give it away. Now start thinking the stuff that you can give to people so that they can give back to you. Allow yourself to truly receive the love that you say you giving out. Now, if you're not really giving out love, you're trying to be in control. That's different. But if you want people to show you the love that you're saying that, oh my God, I wish they supported me. I wish start looking at ways that they can support you. I'm sorry, that was a mini rant. <laughs> um, no, it's just it's just more, it's just more content. It's, <laughs> it's such a big uh I, I swear my life, my life. This no, this is really good though, because yeah, giving away that need for control too. Yeah, because so many people, and I've been watching a lot of like parenting, like TikToks and stuff. And like, I've been really big on like learning parenting styles for the past couple of years. Cause I knew that at some point in time I would be making a baby and I would have one. And I know that I'm going to have so many more questions later on in life, but I'm really happy that I've worked on myself so much. So to like, not feel the need to control everything and not need things to be completely my way. I saw this one TikTok about how it's, and it was a woman saying this, um, how it's the woman's job to um, make sure the house is clean. And at first, when I was younger, I would not have understand where she was coming from. But after being married for seven years and realizing that my husband, unless you've got an OCD husband, that's like super clean freak. I don't, yeah, no, you're blessed because let me let you know the majority. Like I, I'm going to just say like, at least like a good 90% of the rest of us out here that are still telling our husbands to put their clothes in the hamper. Um, that's not the case. Okay. That is not the case. It is absolutely my responsibility, not necessarily to do all the work. Right. That's not what she was saying, 
But if I want it to be organized and done at any point, it is going to have to be me that initiates that because he don't care. I think a lot of women, specifically, if your husband's job is more taxing than yours. So although my husband and I both work, his job is a little bit less flexible Mm -hmm. because of what he does. He's on call. Um, He can't always necessarily just pick up and run and get somebody. Sometimes his Saturdays are tied up too. Now, does that mean he does not support and he doesn't know that that's not what it means. It just means that I have taken the reins off of how I expect him to show up. And I honestly assess and he helps and I allow him to help in a way that aligns. And ironically, because I'm not trying to control everything, it all aligns, like it works. Like he doesn't have to do exactly A, B, C, D, E, but if he get A and C, normally he'll get, again, because he's kind of OCD, so he'll get all the steps. But (laughs) normally it turns out better than I expected. I I think we don't give our husbands enough credit. Um, And we, I know I started off in marriage doing everything for him. And then I got like tired of that shit real quick. And now that I'm allowing him to, to present how he is. And, you know, if you have a husband that, you know, loves the family, he wants to help, he wants to support men love to see where they can fit in and where they can help. You know, they love to do that shit. And so if you leave space for them to show up, even if it's not perfect, one of the things my husband used to tell me, well, I'm not going to do it because you're just going to come behind me and like redo it. So like, why? And it's like, oh, that wasn't, you know, I didn't know I was like that, but okay. Um, Most of the times, if they love you and they love the family and you know that and he present, give them that space. Stop trying to control everything. If you know you have a husband whose schedule is more crazier than yours, stop expecting him to kind of do the impossible outside of his realm of, outside of what he can do right now. Yeah, there, there are seasons in a marriage where one person, there have been seasons where he's picked up more of the slack because I wasn't able to. Like, it's not this, it's not a um, competition. It's not, you guys are a team and <laughs> you're a team. And- I absolutely agree. We are teams. I'm just, I have a very traditional non, I think it's also how he was raised, you know? My husband is a Southern, you know, Melody. So he's very traditional in that to where he's building the stuff. He's doing like, there's certain things that I, that, that he knows are his role. So I work with that. Right. See, like we, we do have a certain role, but I realized I, I hated this fact but I realize, and it's not true for everybody, but for me, if I want it done in my house, I'm a, if I want my house made a certain way, it's my job to hire the help. It's my job to, to I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying I got to do it all. No, but I, we're taking on this new position. I was gone all weekend um, and working super late nights, I didn't do his work clothes like I usually do. And he had told me not to on like Thursday or something like that when I was grabbing like laundry to do laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, so Monday comes around and his, he's like, I don't have any clean uniforms. And 
I used to would have been like, I would have felt bad or I would have gotten, you know, um, defensive. But then I'm like, that's not really my job. Yeah, I stopped doing people's laundry. I said, if I don't wear it, I don't wash it. <laughs> but but I, I always did. Like, I, right. I, I've always just, like, done that. But it's like, we do have to sit down and have the conversation. Right. Okay. We, it, it's so important to have the conversation. And we're, for the first year in our life, like in our marriage, we're going to do a joint vision board together. For, yeah, for like our goals. And so we can see it and we can really be focused on what those things are, what they look like and how we, we better interact with each other. Um, if I was not able to take criticism, because we treat the ones that we're around the most the worst. Yeah. You know? And um, especially when we're going through transition, when we're going through trials and tribulations, when we're having, you know, when we're out of our routine, um, the the ones that we love tend to suffer. I mean, at least with me, because I will be honest, I am not the nicest person. Um, if my husband pisses me off, I will pop off and then I'll let it go. But then he carries all the extra emotion and he feels some type of way. <laughs> But like, if he's late to something, nope, you're trying to sabotage. But, and I'm like, you know what? I should have handled that differently. What are ways that I can learn to do that? And like I'm I'm letting people know, like, guys, I am not coming from somebody that's like super perfect. And I have like some great, amazing, like marriage or whatever. Like we've, it's been a fight. It's been a fight. <laughs> oh, I don't say fight. I don't say marriage is hard. Marriage is intentional. So do you have someone with you that wants to go for the ride and intentionally create Mm. the space? Mm. Um, And so that's what, because we've been married for 20, it'll be 22 years this this upcoming in September, 2023. Um, And it's not perfect, but with each transition of either, you know, him upping who he is or me changing who I am, it's been this, like, this is what's changing. You know, this is what's going on. Now we don't always communicate that effectively. Cause let me tell you, when I stopped doing laundry, I just stopped. Like I didn't have a conversation with anybody. I just stopped doing laundry. Looking back, that was not the most effective way to do it. Um, but then it was just like, I'm sick of all, like I was doing laundry for like five people, like four people. Yeah. Five, me included. Like I, this is, I like, Every day, all day, I was doing laundry. Like, this is not, this is not the life I was called for. <laughs> I I watched somebody's YouTube and I was just like looking at like, cause I used to like love her day in the lives and she just recently had a newborn and she's got like five other adopted kids. Uh, Christy Gior. Mm-hmm. I love her so much. She's got such a great personality and she's just like, so just like, go, go, go. And she's like, yeah, laundry's on a constant rotation. I'm like, does she have any help? Like, does anybody help her? Cause her husband works for, he's in management for a big company. I think he works for Amazon. Honestly, they've never really said it, but I think he works for Amazon. Um, but like, I, so I understand those, those hours are insane in management. Right. They're, they're constant like in general, Amazon is crazy, a crazy company to work for. Um, and that's just for me knowing people that have worked for the company yeah, and I've worked, heard too. Yeah. you know, so, 
um, in so many different levels of it. And I'm like, they got all these kids. And I'm like, yeah, the kids help out and do stuff. And she she doesn't do it all. But I'm like, I could not. I, I, I looked at that. I'm like, I might have maybe two kids. I want to have foster kids at like a later date. But my kids are going to have to be older. Like my kids are going right. to need to be teenagers. And then my foster children Probably will not be babies. making their own lunch and breakfast. <laughs> I just need a five-year-old, you know, I kind of want to just have a five, because when I was five, my dad, I, I mowed the lawn, you know what I'm saying? Like I did dishes. Yeah. No, my dad legit let me mow the lawn at five years old. So I, my expectation, and I grew up, you know, Southern, real Southern, uh, my, I had aunts that were foster parents and stuff. So I saw a lot when it came to like how kids, some things I'm not going to keep, but because it was a lot of basically kids are seen and not heard. Yeah, I don't really want my kids like that. I want my kids to be able to be in a in a room with adults and know to speak respectfully. And when they're spoke like when they're spoken to, and not to interrupt people in general, but I want them to still be able to have adult like not necessarily adult conversations, but conversate with adults confidently. So we have a mix of gentle parenting and traditional parenting. Um, yeah. that's, that's our mix. And we, depending on the situation, we go in between the two, you know, but my, my youngest son, he's been around adults, like he's the baby, right? So he's always been around adults and he can actually hold himself in a conversation with adults respectfully. Um, but yeah, it, it blows like, it blew my mom's mind. Like, you just, you just let him talk. And like, yeah, <laughs> they were like, oh my gosh, he just, he says everything. Like I let him say what's on his mind as long as it's, we learn what the respectful boundaries are. And because I want him to feel like his voice is heard and I want him to feel like he has a voice and that we're listening because that's what happens. A lot of secret, you know, I'm sure like a lot of secrets and stuff get compacted because can't nobody say nothing. Like I want him to be able to have these conversations with us to nip some stuff in the bud, but I'm sure he'll be going to some therapy over some stuff that we've done. Just like I went to therapy. So it's like, if I I always say, if I send my kid to therapy, then I've done my job. My kid's going to need to go to therapy for me just because like, I just know, like, I'm, I'm not saying this and as like, I know I'm going to be like a bad parent. Right. I just know that like, I'm not perfect and I'm, I'm going to be okay. And by the time that my child needs to have that conversation with me, I really, honestly, I feel like my kid is, is because of my personality type of always wanting to be improved continual right. improvement. I feel like my child may come off thinking that they're not good enough. I just, I just feel like that. Now, is that going to be the case? I'm not going to try for it to be, but I just, I kind of like, I, I think that's really, I'm going to speak positive affirmations to them, you know, but I, they well, make I, it, that. it teaches them to, um, I've used it to help increase my son's emotional intelligence, something I didn't have. So when I did blow up, when I do and did blow up, I apologize. I'm working. This is a point, you know, I, I explained in a way that he could understand of what's going on. So now I'm able to say, mommy's not having a great day. And he knows to, you know, 
and not necessarily push it. And now he's able to see if like he's able to notice cues, right? If somebody is not and how to, you know, talk to them, still get your point across, but change, like if the energy is shifted, like he's such a happy-go-lucky kid. Like, you know, sometimes now he sees when to bring it down and when to ramp it back up. So yeah. And understanding that somebody's bad mood is not your bit, like it's not your fault. There's like nothing that you can do for them and not, not trying to fix. Cause as kids, they want to fix and make you feel yeah. better. And it's like, nope, let it be broke. <laughs> yeah. It's not your responsibility. You know, you don't have to take that on. I'm hoping that I, at the same time, I want to build resilient kids, you know, but I don't want them to go to the same type of struggles I went through. So it's like going to be different struggles. They won't. Yeah. You know? I- I call me and my husband blackish. Like my our kids are, are in no way, shape, or form going through the same. Like my son's struggle is the Wi-Fi going out and his switch not working. Like that is his struggle. His struggle is not being able to find his favorite Dorito. Like that's his struggle. Cause like we don't live in the hood, right? So yeah. he's not having to watch his bag. He's not having to do any of the things that like he had to do as kids. He's not a latchkey kid like we both were because both of his parents are at home working. So you know, we always kind of wonder like, well, are we like, are we not doing this right? But then they, life has a way of, sh- of helping them to become resilient in other areas mm-hmm. that even though you're not providing them with what you knew, you know, to cause you the resilience or even, you know, whatever life has a way of teaching <laughs> lessons in the most unexpected ways. And so they end up learning anyway. Um, my son had like a bully in the third grade. Yeah, in the third grade, he had a bully. This little boy was, I felt, I felt bad for him, but yet my son was not about to be the test subject on helping make this kid better. Like that's not, you know, cause I could see as a mom, like why he was behaving in the way he was behaving. But um, it allowed my son to see early what love bombing looks like, because what this kid did was every week he was bringing him Legos and things to make him happy. And then when Mason was like, you know, cause my son just thought that, you know, he was just doing it to be a friend. I'm like, no baby, that's not normal. But you know, in his little mind, he's like, oh my God, he's my friend because he's bringing me all these extra Lego pieces. And so as kids do, I have other friends, I shift, I move, I do different things. So when he was like, okay, I'm going to play with my other friends this week, because you know, that's kind of what we do in the third grade. You know, we just kind of free play with everybody. This kid didn't want him playing with anybody else. In fact, he got mad and called him the N-word because he didn't, you know, and then like ended up trying to fight him, you know. So it was this whole crazy thing, but he was able to learn, like I was able to show him a couple of lessons just from that. I said, do you notice what happened? How quick he was trying, like, you know, so I was able to notice how quick he was trying to become your friend and make you like, that's not normal. Like people giving you stuff and y'all just met is not normal <laughs> like that's not a normal behavior and him that being child has learned that. that from his family yeah that that home dynamic and it's just like that's honestly one of my biggest concerns is having my children around unhealthy like it's crazy a great people. lesson so yeah because they have to be around the world they do they right. do they're not i'm not going to shelter them but it's just no it's it's having them around them and me having to deal with them because i don't want I don't deal. With, I don't deal with that, you know. 
But you find a way. I think it's something about having the kid that that you know that makes you find a way to handle it because you're like you're trying to be a better person. Like you know, old Charmaine would have told that bitch up. But because I'm attempting to teach my son that there are other ways to handle things, and, and especially if you're not being physically touched, there are other ways to handle things in a nonviolent manner. Mm-hmm. that allow them allow you to get them off your back as well as understanding like I, I was able to teach him you can love somebody but still not fuck with them like you can send them love you can pray for them but if you know that their behavior is toxic for you there's a way to still be kind and loving without feeling like you have to talk to them. Like you can, like he's learned how to separate the, like he's learning still how to separate the two. So it has been great for me because in some situations where I may not have even advocated, it's helped me to even advocate for myself more because kids will let you know when something's not bothering. Like, you know, hey, this is not, I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. And you have to advocate for them because they, they're young, right? And, you know, they can't go to the principal and say stuff because unfortunately most principals don't take into account like how a kid feels. They're just worried about how it impacts, you know, the, the school and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's been allowing me, like right now we homeschool. Um, and that was a decision. It was part selfish for me because after, before, And that drop off line made me want to cry like every day. It was insane. Um, But also after COVID, like he's really intuitive. He was like, mommy, people are not going to know how to act. I want to stay home. (laughs) And so we made the decision to homeschool. A lot less stress on everybody. He's not with me all the time. He has so many, like I'm still doing different activities, but it's not like he has to go to school from nine to basically three 34 o'clock. And then at five 30, we have to go like, we're done by like one 32 o'clock. And then he, you know, he, he's able to have that free space. Um, but that took a, that took a lot because in a way I kind of enjoyed him being out of the house. But for me, It wasn't, it just wasn't conducive to like the life we had. Mm -hmm. And plus he likes to wake up late. So I got sick of going, Mace, get up. Come on, Mace. I got sick of doing that. So like I said, it was a little bit selfish, but it was ultimately his decision. And he knows he has the decision to, if he ever decides to go back, which he says he'll want to do that in high school. So he, I said, if you want to go back, then you can, you know, my husband and I both have said, you know, you can go back. Cause he says at some point I do want to go back to school. Okay. But for right now he wants to stay and he wants to likes learning at home and he's been learning much faster. Um, a lot of the things that he had been struggling with in school, we're not struggling with now because he's diagnosed ADHD. So a lot of the issues that we were having, we're not having because he's not hyperactive. But if somebody is talking while he's trying to learn, he completely like right at at that moment, he would completely lose his focus. But now we're learning how to keep focus. He's in martial arts now. So now he's learning how to keep focus even amongst the distractions. So and learning his learning style, that's so helpful. I I didn't learn my learning style until after college like or like towards the end of college. Like seriously, like how I really learn. And so 
now that he can have that more focused attention, it's going to help him out in high school and he'll just have people are just going to be where they're going to be. But I got to let you go. Unfortunately, I, I could talk to you forever, but you know, I, I've got a page full of notes here. I'm, <laughs> you always give me so many, so many tips. Um, and I, I'm so appreciative of that. I love our time together. It just be like a sister girl conversation. That what this is what y'all got today. Y'all got a sister girl conversation, um, kitchen table talk. I always say, because you know, at, at a black function, the kitchen table was where all the aunties and stuff was together, and that's where all the juicy conversations happened. Was at the kitchen table. And when you were a kid, you'd be like at the back door or whatever, or at the just trying to listen to see what the ladies was talking about. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. Ah, kitchen table conversations. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.